if you're watching somebody and watch enough videos of them staring at them, you feel like you know them. Your brain tells you this is a family member. This is somebody who loves me. I, I, of course I trust them. That's what makes social media so dangerous around influencers. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F-word. Welcome back to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. I am so happy you're here for another fascinating conversation. For all the new listeners, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you stopped by. For the returning guests, welcome. Always nice to have you here listening to this show. Today, I'm delighted to have Dr. Brad Klontz returning to the show. Dr. Klontz is an acclaimed expert in financial psychology, financial planning, and applied behavioral finances. He serves as an associate professor of practice at Creighton University, where I did attend and is a fantastic course. He is the co-founder of the Financial Psychology Institute, while also being a managing principal at an RIA in the United States. With eight books to his name on the psychology of money, Dr. Klontz has made a significant contribution to the field. Dr. Klontz is a fellow of the American Psychological Association, a former president of the Hawaii Psychology Association, and a recipient of the Innovative Practice Presidential Citation from the APA. You can find Dr. Klontz's writing almost everywhere, such as Wall Street Journal, Psychology Today, ABC News, and it goes on and on and on. It's always fun to talk with Dr. Klontz as it is his work that really drew me to notice this field of financial psychology. Much of Dr. Brad Klontz's research forms a foundation on how I think about our relationships with money. It's his work that really got me interested in creating this podcast. So it is a pleasure to have him on again. This episode, it was fun as Dr. Brad Klontz shared his valuable insights and wisdoms from the lens of his social media view. As we know, social media forms a large part on how people get their financial advice. Now, the issue here is that anybody can post financial advice on social media. There is no need to prove your credentials and so forth. In fact, you'll even hear Dr. Klontz talk about Sometimes the more credentials you have, the least views you get. It's wild. He explains in the show. So our conversation centers around Dr. Klontz's at Dr. Brad Klontz character, which is his social media handle, where he spends a lot of his time on TikTok. Dr. Klontz has over 100 million views on TikTok, where it's his goal to provide sound financial advice that is based on evidence, research that is, because as I mentioned earlier, there are also thousands and thousands of people on these social media platforms, in our case, we're talking about TikTok, that are providing basically terrible information. So Dr. Klontz calls upon people like myself who have a CFP or who believe in providing real, genuine financial advice. He encourages us to get onto these social media platforms to help dilute the people who are just on there to make a big noise and providing terrible information. This episode got me thinking about, should I, how can I, can I be better at social media? And the answer is yes. I've always been a little scared of social media as I feel like I don't know how to use it. But Dr. Klontz really helped me to see that there's a lot of value in going on these social media platforms. And make sure you listen to the end as my good friend, Ruthub, the musician who from time to time joins the podcast to make amazing songs, creates a fantastic song for at Dr. Brad Klontz. A few things from this conversation that were highlights to me is how to create authentic trust 
while using social media as a mode to distribute your information. We know that there's a lot of artificial trust that is created on the social media platforms, but Dr. Klontz really talks about how we can provide authentic trust. We talk about the difference between a wealthy and poor mindset and the importance of creating and distributing sound financial advice that is rooted in research on social media. I hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation with Dr. Brad Klontz. Dr. Brad Klontz, welcome back to the show. Oh, happy to be here, Sean. It's fun to say welcome back. As I was preparing for today, I was thinking about all the different areas we could start. I mean, when I, I look at you and your work, you're one of the pioneers in the discipline of financial psychology. You've published numerous scientific papers. You've written eight books or more. You're a managing partner at an RIA. There were so many different areas we could start in, but I thought the most important one would be who is at Dr. Brad Klontz on TikTok? Can you enlighten us about this individual? Where did he originate from and what is his purpose? Ooh, okay. So I love how you asked that question because that Dr. Brad Klontz isn't necessarily the Dr. Brad Klontz that does any of the other stuff you talked about <laughs> that shows up into those rooms talking to that audience. So I feel a little busted here, Sean. That is my alter ego that uh, I think is probably more authentically me, to be honest. And I started creating content on TikTok. Well, I started on YouTube, but it was more professional type stuff. I really got into TikTok after I left working in high school. So I used to work in high schools with teenagers for years as a clinical psychologist. And I stopped doing that. And I missed, I missed my kids. That's just the bottom line. And my kids were all on TikTok. And when I say my kids, I mean, you know, far beyond the school I was working in. I just missed that, that age. It's, it's an age of openness that is really hard to describe compared to us adults. And um, for example, um, not to go too far in this direction, but when there were kids and families, parents struggling with kids, um, as a psychologist, I could see that sometimes the parents weren't necessarily approaching it in the most helpful way. And I could definitely see the child who was misbehaving. And what I found is that the children were much more able to acknowledge that they were making mistakes. And the parents were much more rigid in holding their stance that, no, I'm doing everything right. They're doing it wrong. I always found that to be fascinating. So anyway, one of the, one of the reasons I love that age. And I saw from TikTok from my nephews that they were showing me these funny little cat videos and dancing videos, really funny stuff. And then all of a sudden, a day trader popped up and selling their day trading. And, and I, I, was, I, was, I was stunned. And I, and I was looking at this video and I'm like, oh my God, day trading's back. Of course it's back. I, I didn't even think about it being back. But the market had been on a bull run for years. And of course, of course, day trading is back. And here I saw this app providing content to young people that was all the, the worst possible ways to approach money. And I got so angry, Sean, I decided that I was going to compromise myself to varying degrees to shape a message that is compelling for young people on social media where I can actually sort of download some of what I would do in my office in real life, mindsets that are related to success, healthy attitudes around investing, around money. And so that, that's really what drew me to that, to starting to create content on TikTok. Brad, as you're talking, I just, I appreciate your body language. You are just, you're getting into that persona and you can really feel that, I, I guess you used the word anger, but that mission, I guess, to really passion. educate. Yes. Passion, passion, that's the word I'm looking for. Yes. On one of our, the executive circle calls, which people should look at, that's a, a group you run, it's, it's wonderful. You had talked about this avatar or this, this person that you feel like you're speaking to and it really made me, I guess, see where this passion is going for yourself. Can you just explain what that avatar is? 
I have a very specific target audience on social media. And, you know, sometimes my, my business partners, et cetera, I, I don't blame them, you know, perhaps even the dean of my university is like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't our target audience. <laughs> and, and the bottom line is, yes, I am not on social media, frankly, making content. I'm on TikTok, like on LinkedIn, it's more, <laughs> it's more colleagues, et cetera. But on, on like TikTok, Instagram, it's definitely not the traditional financial planning client. It's not a high net worth individual. It's not somebody who's enjoying certain levels of success in their lives. I mean, to a degree, I, I, obviously, I help those individuals in my work. That's not who I'm trying to reach on social media. And I'm actually willing to sort of offend, and I, I try not to offend too much, but I'm willing to take risks, let me put it that way, to, because I'm so passionate about my target audience. And so you mentioned the avatar. And so I mentioned I work in a high school for many years. It was a low-income high school. I actually grew up lower income. My parents split when I was young, so single mom for a while, so low income. So that, and, and I actually didn't have anyone to teach me anything about money. And my parents were both teachers. They did not have a handle on money. And so I tried to be the person that I wish I had at that age. I tried to be the person that I tried to be for people in high schools when I was there to, to help educate them, influence them in some way, in a positive way. And so the avatar I have is, is, is a child who, young person, 16 years old, 17 maybe, who is wearing a McDonald's uniform on their way to do their shift at McDonald's. And they're in a public bus because they they're taking the bus to work. And they are going to their, their shift and they go to a stop sign and they look over and they see one of their shift mates who's in the same McDonald's uniform driving a brand new F-150 pickup truck. Based on a true story too, by the way, because if you get a job working at McDonald's and this person happened to be 18, they will go ahead and give you, you know, they will qualify you for a loan for a brand new F-150 pickup truck. This actually happened to one of my, my um, kids I was working with. And you know the interest rate is outrageous. I mean, they're taking advantage of you. But this person feels really proud of having that. So my avatar is that person on the public school bus who knows the truth about money, who knows about delayed gratification, who knows about the importance of saving and investing, who also knows that if they work at McDonald's the rest of their life, but they save and invest a percentage of their income, they can absolutely become a millionaire. So they, they know this and they're embodying this. And so they look over to that person in the F-150 and rather than feeling a sense of that they're less than them, because certainly this person with this brand new truck is getting all sorts of attention mm -hmm. from their peers and from girls, you know, whatever they're trying to, to get attention from for that status item. I want my, my kid on the bus to look over and sort of shake their head and what an idiot. Because like, this person on the bus really knows the truth about where that's going to get you in life versus the mission they're on. So I'm trying to speak to that kid, to empower that kid. And so that's really what I'm doing on social media. Brad, it's, it's really fascinating. Like you look at the way our system is around money and generally speaking, the more someone knows about financial planning, the psychology of money, et cetera, their client base becomes, I guess, smaller and smaller. Maybe they have more access to funds to pay for these things. And you're really spending a lot of time speaking to this 16, 17-year-old to give them this, I guess, the sense of hope when most of the world or most of the, the script out there is saying that you don't have any hope. So then we resort to these F-150s. Can you just speak to the sense of belonging? Because it seems to me this, this people who out there who go and buy that F-150 or other things that we purchased, there's this sense of well, I want to make me, maybe I don't feel like I'm belonging inside, but I'm going to do these purchases to belong. Can you just speak to the like, psychologically of what's happening there? Yeah. So I think it's the, the whole idea of comparing ourselves to other people. Like we like to tell people that they shouldn't do that, you know, and I, I'm just going to suggest that it's impossible to not do it. Like we are, we are hardwired to pay very close attention to our status within any group you're in. You know, how am I measuring up? People looking down on me. This is why you see people who have a lot of money and they're, they're anxious about people being judging them as having too much or people who have too little. They feel like people are judging me for the dress, I, you know, my dress or my lack of sophistication or education or whatever it is. We're constantly worried about being judged. And so it's really important to, to acknowledge that because I think if we pretend it doesn't exist, that's when we're most vulnerable to, um, frankly, marketing efforts where people are trying to get us to buy things to increase our status, they make a ton of money on it, and they're just basically capitalizing on this human need to feel like we belong. And it really, 
goes down to our prehistoric days where we were spent most of our time on Earth in small hunter-gatherer tribes of 100 to 150 closely related people. And if the rest of the tribe, for example, you're sitting around campfires, eating dinner, if all of a sudden 149 people in that tribe stood up and ran in one direction, you're going to stand up and run in that direction. I mean, and the, the individuals who might not do that, they got all picked off by tigers or killed by enemies. So that gene was not passed on to us. So I would just suggest that we're all very vulnerable to this. And if you know you are, that's when you can sort of stop yourself from engaging in behaviors that aren't going to be so helpful for you. This, this idea of this tribal instinct, if these 149 people get up and run away, it, it's really fascinating. I like how you bring it back to like, this is baked inside of us. But going back to that, Dr. Brad Klontz, now it might not be our tribal members running away, but these influencers, as we call them, they're all over TikTok or other social media saying, basically, they're their own version of getting up and running away, being like, do this to be rich, or here's the five secrets to be happy and healthy and so forth. When you think of influencers in the context of giving financial advice on social media, maybe we answered the question already, but why do we follow these people despite they have, a lot of them have no credentials, no professional experience, and they're just these random people that we, I would think, don't have trust in, but yet we send them money online. Yes. So I have thought about this question a lot, Sean, because as you mentioned, I have a lot of credentials, I would say, traditional <laughs> credentials or whatever, right? And what's so fascinating around social media is being Dr. Brad Klontz and being a doctor, you know, it, that actually doesn't help you at all. It actually hurts you massively. So th that's it. It's an interesting irony there. I actually spent a lot of time humbly studying these 18-year-old influencers <laughs> who are, have millions of followers. And what they're doing is they are doing a better job than any of us of crafting a compelling message. And so I actually went to school on these young people and I learned as much as I could about how are they, and I would sit there and analyze these videos. So how are they capturing this, their, these young people's, what are they doing? How are they capturing their attention? And so I spent a lot of time studying sort of the psychology of virality. I'm actually giving a presentation on that at FinCon coming up on how to go viral on social media. I actually checked and I have 120 million video views right now. I just found that out yesterday, which, which surprised me, but I also realized I got pretty good at the formula on how to get people to listen because there's so much information out there and it, it's competing for our attention. On, on TikTok, for example, the videos are very short. You, you can't do a 10-minute lecture on compound interest. As a matter of fact, if you use... If you say the term compound interest, <laughs> you're not going to have anyone watch the rest of the video. And so it was pretty fun too. It's like, you know, I, I had to go back to the drawing board around how can I craft a message? As you mentioned, I've done a lot of research. How can I take this peer-reviewed publication we did on the psychology of wealth and make it interesting to a bored 20-year-old mm. who's, on, who's on TikTok? So I spent a lot of time working on that. I guess with those of us not going to FinCon, how do you capture their attention? Yeah, this is where I said I sort of leaked that I compromised myself to a degree. <laughs> I, I had to wrestle with this, you know? And so, for example, I, I have a video on, you know, money avoidance. So this, these are the beliefs that, you know, rich people are greedy, money corrupts, very common belief pattern in, in people who grew up where I grew up. And it's associated with terrible financial outcomes. And so, Right there, what I just said, nobody's going to watch a video. No, no 16-year-old is going to watch a video with me saying any of those things. And so you'd have, you have to take that and craft it. And so the way that I crafted it is I said something like, if you don't change this mindset, you're going to be broke forever. So now it's, it's a bit of an exaggeration. So I feel dirty even saying that, Sean. It's like, really? Broke forever? But I use words like rich. I use words like poor. I use broke. I use words that I wouldn't normally use in, you know, on, on LinkedIn, for example. <laughs> because that's how you get people's attention. And quite honestly, my competitors, and by the way, there are a lot of great personal finance influencers who don't have credentials, and I'm friends with a lot of them. And there's a lot of terrible ones, okay, who are, as you mentioned, they're, they're selling get-rich-quick courses, they're selling cryptocurrency, NFTs. I mean, there's all sorts of shenanigans going on. But what they're really do good at doing is writing a compelling message to get people to, to click on the video, watch it till its end. And so that's, that's what I've done. I've sort of like taken their strategies and techniques and I'm trying to apply it to 
information and, and my, my videos are educational in nature. I'm not really selling anything. I don't even sell my book because people on TikTok aren't reading books, people. <laughs> <laughs> They're watching TikTok videos. And so I really tried to, to take the message and, and bring it to that culture, you know? And it's almost a sense of being, you know, culturally competent. Like this is the culture of that platform. So how can you take your message and tweak it so that it fits with the platform? You often are leading, whether it's financial psychology, facilitation books for us to implement the financial psychology. But there's been this idea of like, hey, how does research get into the practical world? I don't know if I've seen people take research to 15-second TikTok videos in TikTok language, and this is what you're doing, and 120 million views is making a difference. When you look at these 120 views, what is the goal? Is like just quick snap it videos to teach them or to bring them into maybe one day buy your book, but you just said they don't buy books or they're not reading books. Like, I guess, how does change happen in 20 second videos? It's amazing. It's amazing. So we've all had an aha experience. And as you're listening to this, think about your own aha experiences, right? And it's like the right piece of information hits your brain at the right time. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Everything changes. I've had many of these experiences in my life. And so like some of the aha experiences I had growing up were like around money when I, even as I was a young adult is like, wait a second, you mean people who grew up poor can become wealthy? That sounds really trite, but there are a significant percentage of people who grew up poor, who are growing up poor right now, who don't think it's possible mm -hmm. at all. This was me growing up. I didn't know any rich people. I didn't know any millionaires. I wouldn't even know what to ask, what questions what do they do differently than me? I have no idea. I don't know. Is it possible for me? I don't, I don't think so. How could it possibly happen for us? And so if I can just get a video in there, and so one of, one of the classic things I'll do is uh, I'll just use a simple formula. Like if you invested $5 a day and got average market returns, you'd be a millionaire in 42 years. So I do a lot of videos that, that have that little formula in there. And then I always get things like 42 years, and I, then I, or, or what about inflation? And I say, good point, save $6 a day. <laughs> I think to me that that, for example, can be an aha experience for somebody because then you can just start tweaking the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, well, what if I, and I get people saying, well, what if I did $10 a day? I, I just want people to start asking the question because whatever question they ask after that has already shown me they have now entered the world of this is possible for me. This is possible for me. And so that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to plant a seed. And I'll give you an example. I had somebody who, sent me a DM on Instagram and they said to me, hey, Dr. Brad, you know, I started to watch your videos four years ago when I was senior in high school. I want you to know I just got out of college and I'm fully funding my 401k and I never would have done it if I hadn't seen your... So my message got to this person at, at, at the right point in time. It clicked something in their mind and then as soon as they got out of school, they, they like, first thing I'm doing is I'm fully funding that 401k because that's one of the pieces of advice I give. I'm like, look, you're, you've been broke, you've been poor, <laughs> you get your first job, just max out your 401k. No matter what you do, you're going to feel rich. And I know that for just that one action that that person did is going to set them up for financial success. And so that's the type of thing that I find so inspiring. And so I'm okay. It's a 20 second video. It's a 45 second video. Just one little piece in there. If I can challenge an assumption or if I can inspire somebody to think, wait a second. And I get this all the time. Well, what should I invest in? It's like, oh, I just love you know, I, I never tell people what to invest in, obviously. My typical response is, I can't tell you what to invest in, but I strongly recommend you research target date funds for do-it-yourself investing. And then I will quite often refer to the SEC site where they talk about target date funds, just to make sure I'm not giving financial advice. But when, when people ask that question, I already feel like we've, we've won. Yeah. Because they're going to find an answer to that question. And I just, as long as they're asking that question, I know they believe it's possible for themselves. I really appreciate that answer. I had a professor once say to me, it was a psychology course, they said, when you see me, it gives me permission to be myself. And it sounds to me, these short videos, because you actually have a, so much different variation that you're seeing that child on the bus to whatever degree that video happens to land on. And I think it speaks to your work around the mindsets or the, the beliefs is when you can tap into those beliefs and we believe in something, you give them that hope. We can figure out what investment to go into. Yeah, I agree. I, like, I feel like the, the details are less important. Nobody is really struggling in their financial life because they don't know the difference between a tr traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Or, I mean, that, that's not where we're losing it. We're losing it 
where people feel like it's hopeless. They feel like they're helpless. They feel like no matter what they do, they can't change their life. They feel like, well, the only way I can become rich is to become a doctor, for example, or I have to be born rich, or I have to go to an Ivy League school, or I had to go to a private school. I will compromise myself by using props too. So I'm holding in my hand my golden chalice that sometimes I will drink from. But I use this as an example of an outward display of wealth. It's like a lot of the videos I do challenge what people assume rich people do. So I I have a lot of posts on designer labels and luxury watches and luxury cars. And this is where I'm not trying to offend any of our listeners who are currently wearing a Rolex. But what what I do is I I just share the research. Like the majority of self-made billionaires describe themselves as frugal. Did you know that? Are, are you aware of that? And then if you, if you understand that, and it's like, well, maybe that's how they become rich. It's like, <laughs> yes, yes, you got it. You know, one of the studies I did, we looked at a group of people who had 11 million in net worth, and I compared them to a group of people that had half a million in net worth. And we asked them, how much money did you spend on your last watch, vacation, car, house, this kind of thing? On average, they were spending about $820 for their watch on average. Now, certainly some people had luxury watches, but if you, would, if you ask young people, like how much does somebody spend on a car or a house who has 11 million in net worth, they're going to grossly exaggerate the actual truth. And I'll, and I'll just tell you that study, we found that that group of people with 11 million in net worth only spent about twice as much on their house, their last vacation, their watch, and the last car they purchased than the people who had $500,000 in net worth. And so if I can just sort of slip some of that information it helps because as you mentioned with social media, we, we look on Instagram and people instantly start to feel bad about themselves. And the, the worst perpetrators, I think, who are selling garbage courses and rich quick schemes, they're quite often flexing these luxury watches and leaning up against this car and in front of this mansion, this blue screen mansion. You know, they actually have uh, fake sets in LA where it looks like a, it's a private plane for you to get on there and shoot your content. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is just I want to make a different association with that stuff because quite frankly, young people who believe that that's how most rich people spend, they're not going to wait until they have 11 million to go buy an expensive watch. What they do is they get out of school and let's say they even have a a decent job. Let's say they're making $100,000 a year. What they do is they go buy a really expensive suit, a very expensive watch, and they go lease an expensive car and they get an apartment that they really can't afford. And this is why we have people who have high income and low net worth because they, they just don't understand the truth about how most people, most wealth, people become wealthy and how, how most wealthy people interact with their money. So a lot of my content tries to go at that too. Our last conversation, we talked about your categories of the money scripts and we're kind of talking about money status here. I'm thinking about a video. I think it was your son and you walking in Vegas and you were like teaching my son lessons and oh, it was geez. about the designer brands. And I, I thought it was fascinating because... So many of us would have walked down Vegas, see people, the designer brands, and maybe you know, feel bad because to your point, it's natural for us to compare. But you gave us all permission to be like, eh, I don't need that. Yeah, so that, that video went viral. And it, this, is, this is, again, like I, I'm sort of laughing at myself. I'm slightly embarrassed, Sean. But I was. I was walking through the Bellagio Hotel with my son. We were going to the buffet over there, which is really nice, by the way. And we're, we're walking through and I just took a video of him from behind and, I, and, and the text and the voice says, my son is only 10 years old and he already knows that the only people flexing luxury brands on social media are broke and insecure. Now, that's an exaggeration. It's because mm-hmm. they're not the only ones flexing. But what we know about flexing, because of the research on money status, we know that the people who are most you know, attracted and compelled to have outward displays of wealth tend to come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and tend to have lower net worth. And again, not all of them, but we know that to be true by research. And so what's fascinating around social media, though, is, is you, you got to kind of take a slightly exaggerated position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the classic comment to that is essentially saying, what an idiot I am, because the Kardashians, you know, have designer brands. And that is such an alarming comment. <laughs> you know, it's such a scary comment. And it also upsets me because they are presenting an image that that's how People live. And I always have to tell people, guess what? You know, they're getting paid to do that. You know, they're getting paid to, to you know, promote those brands. And none of those influencers are showing brands they're not getting paid to show. Why would they do that? But anyway, it's just, it's just part of that sort of an overwhelming tsunami of misinformation around money and 
that I think just hurts people that get upset and makes me want to go make another video. I think it's great. And I know your research quite well. And when I see those videos, I just think, yeah, wow, you just took like this very complex research study and made it 15 seconds. And even for myself on that one in particular and many of the other ones, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. And I bring this up just because you're backed by doing most of this or a lot of this research. What do you think drives, like maybe this is from a psychological perspective, what drives these influencers, so to speak, to really live in this dissonance of like, here's what you should do, but yet I don't do those things at all. And what have you seen in these circles of like the outcome of living in these like two different worlds, like online, I'm this happy, rich person. But when I turn the camera off, the blue green screen or whatever goes away and there is no car or mansion. So I, I have a lot of influencer friends at this point, just being part of the influencer club. Actually, I have a little, I get sent stuff, yeah. YouTube thing. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and as I mentioned, I, there's a lot of great personal finance influencers mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I know personally. And however, guess what none of them are doing? You know, they're not doing the, you know, the flashy stuff. They get it. They understand it. They're, they're actually experts in it. And so they, they actually, we, we have a similar message. And the, it, it, it's really important to know, I think, for all of us to know that social media is fake, you know, and part of what you're talking about are these lifestyle influencers, right? Mm -hmm. Going around and showing this or that. And what I like to do is just to sort of encourage people. And if they listen to my content enough, they're going to have a different association with that. The association they have with it now is they look at somebody's Instagram and they see this really expensive designer handbag, for example. And they're like, wow, you know, and first of all, think about what's going through this creator's experience here. They went to the store, perhaps they bought it, maybe they didn't. They're taking pictures with it. They're, they're putting a lot of effort in posting this to show you that I have this high status item. You gotta really think about what's the psychology behind that? And there's really only two things. Number one, they are getting paid to promote this brand. Number two, they are desperate for you to think highly of them. Those are the only two answers. And so what, what I encourage people to do is to be like informed consumers of, in, of social media and just to think it through. What, what's going on here? Why is this person so desperate for me to see this display of a bunch of money they spent on some meaningless object? Why do they need to do that? And if I can get people to think about that, it's already going to stop the impulse. Because the, the impulse, as I mentioned for us tribally, is to belong, especially if it's somebody that you care about. And what's so fascinating about social media is... Our brains are not designed to not be susceptible to that influence. Think about it. This far away, you know, holding your phone in your hand, looking at a video, you're inches away from this person's face. They are looking directly in your eyes and talking to you. Think about how intimate that is. Go try to have that type of intimate connection with the next stranger you run across, you know, in real life. What would they do if you got that close to them and gazed into their eyes. They're gonna be like, whoa, dude, look, I don't know you. We don't have a connection here. And it, I think this just this circumvents our normal you know, mistrust of people because it's, they're right in your face. And if, if you're watching somebody and watch enough videos of them staring at them, you feel like you know them. Your brain tells you this is a family member. This is somebody who loves me. I, I, of course I trust them. That's what makes social media so dangerous around influencers. I read an article where you were referenced talking about this like parasocial interaction because this idea of trust always puzzled me. And then on that article, it's kind of exactly what you're saying there is it's this one way trust, which seems so bizarre, but it's happening. And if you, if you think about how you would experience somebody in real life being that close to you, like you only let people that close to you who you trust. And by the way, this is how it's been for our time, humanity since forever. It's only recently that we have this and that parasocial relationship, which is unidirectional. And this is where you have a, like people who are stalkers, right? And they feel like this person loves them. This celebrity loves them. Well, that, that was back in the movie days too. And, and that's somebody up on a screen. This person's in your hand. And back then too, they weren't looking into the camera. I mean, think about what that's doing to us on a deep emotional brain level. That's why I think the influencers now have more power than ever before because of that intimate connection. People are talking directly to the camera. They're looking at you directly in the eyes. You feel like you have a relationship with them. So then, as a psychologist, what do people, or what can people do to, I guess, 
I don't know if it's disengaged, but how do we get out of the gaze of the social media so much? Like reality, we're going to use it. Like if, if the answer is not just shut it all down, what can we do to start to protect ourselves against these financial influencers and not the guys that you're hanging out with, you're talking about, but the ones that are intentionally trying to cause harm? Well, this is what we do. We all start making TikTok videos. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like one of the things I struggle with is I want to see more people who are, for example, certified financial planners, for example, just as an example. It's like, make content. If you have any, any interest at all, like you're making content, Sean, your content, your creator. I think we should all be creators because in the absence of us doing it, other people are going to do it. And maybe they are giving the wrong message. And so I really, really get excited when, for example, on TikTok, I think I'm friends with just about every CFP who's ever made a video on TikTok because I'm so excited to see them there. And when I see them there, I want to amplify their content because I know they're giving good information. And not to say that you have to do this, but if you're at all interested in education, I just really encourage people to create content you know, to, to get the message out because these other influencers are very, very effective in doing it. And if we're going to just sit back and complain about it, we're not helping anybody because regardless of what you think you should do with social media, regardless of what you think your kids should do with social media, they're doing something very different, right? They are on it every day, all day long. A lot of them are getting their primary news source right now is TikTok. Are you aware of this? They have, there's news channels on there. So people are going to TikTok and these other platforms and they're getting all of their information about what's happening in the news, what's happening politically, what's happening in the financial markets. That's where they're getting all their information. And so it's great to see organizations, like I, I saw Bloomberg on there creating TikTok content. There's other people doing it. And their content, of course, is good. And so I, I feel like that there's a bit of a call to action for us to get on there and start making content. For some reason, I've been afraid of TikTok. Or I've been like, oh, I'm not going to TikTok. And deep down, I know it's like, I'm better than that complex, even though... Yeah, I don't know. I should just... You get a pass. You get a pass. You're, you're doing podcasts. Okay. Is, do something. Okay. It doesn't have to be TikTok. I mean, there's a lot of platforms out there, but I feel like that's it's better for us to sort of put some content out there than to just sit back and, and try to hope people aren't there. Like, mm -hmm. what, are, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and given the intimacy too, they don't care about the credentials of people talking at all. It's fascinating. A friend of the show, Preet Banerjee, he's a Canadian individual. He just finished a PhD dissertation in the value of household financial planning. I can't remember the exact title, but in his research, he was talking about just the different channels and I believe they equated to a number of assets or how much money they had. And the secondary channel of online social media of where you get your advice was, it just, I can't remember the percentage. It, it shocked me. It was self-reported, but very, very large for the people who participate in this study that they get their content. So I guess it goes to your point us in the financial world need to get on social media. Yeah, don't be afraid. It's educational. Like, I'm not telling people what stock to buy. As a matter of fact, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> you probably can't do it. But even the ones who aren't licensed, you know, are people are doing this. And I don't think we need to be afraid of it because we're not, we're not doing that. You know, we're not telling people what stock to buy. We're not telling them what kind of insurance to get. We're doing educational content, you know, that they should be getting in a personal finance course in college. But your challenge is to make it interesting. I mean, you really got to know your content to make it down to 10 seconds. A lot of your work talks about mindset. On TikTok, you call it the mindset of the poor and the rich. Can you just touch on the differentiation from the psychological perspective of what causes this rich and poor mindset? Yeah, so I think that a lot of it comes down to the beliefs we have around money, which we talked about before, money scripts. You know? And these are things that we typically inherit. They're passed down to us from our parents, from our grandparents, from our culture. And there are very clear belief patterns that are associated with, you know, not just financial success, but success in other areas. I definitely talk about money beliefs and which ones lead to better financial outcomes. I also talk about other mindsets that are based in psychology that lead to success. So one of the ones I talk about is a growth mindset. A lot of research on a growth mindset. We compare it to a fixed mindset. So growth mindset is, you know, yeah, I suck at this because I haven't put enough time into learning it. You know, I'm not good at investing or I'm, I'm not good with money because I haven't spent a lot of time doing it versus I'm just not good with money. So it's, it's that. It's also locus of control is another huge one. And we, we see studies that show people who are more successful financially and otherwise have an internal locus of control. So when something in their life isn't going well, they look internally. What can I do differently with this? 
So I make videos related that are in support of internal locus control. I talk about learned helplessness. So there are other mindsets that I, I like to make videos around that are a little bit broader than financial success, but also related to financial success. You're making me think of this video of you walking in the woods, it looked like, about how to manifest something. And basically, I think the call to action was to research it. And it, it made me chuckle. Yes, yes. So that's me going going after some of the manifesting videos. You know? <laughs> it's like, they'll say, do these three things, you know? And so I said, one of the videos I said, you know, how do I become a millionaire? I said, well, step one in three steps. Number one, turn your phone, three turns to the right, three turns to the left. Now save $5 a day, invest $5 a day, average market returns for 42 years. <laughs> you know, if I get people the last one, it's like, all right, yes. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. As you're laughing, I could tell you really, really enjoy this. Going back to the top of the conversation, you talked about it's your passion. I guess what brings you that passion? I know we've been talking, circling around that avatar, but really what brings you that passion? Because it is apparent. And like you said, you're not selling your products, your books or anything on this TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to probably my own personal experiences growing up, not knowing what rich people did, getting into trouble because of that. Like when I got out of school with a doctorate, you know, I started day trading because I saw somebody make money day trading. I thought I could pay off my 100,000 in student loans if I can just take this 10 grand and turn it into 100. And I saw him do it <laughs> in a year. So I think it's, it's falling prey to some of that myself. Like when I, got out of, when I got out of grad school too, I went and bought my mom a very expensive gold Hawaiian heirloom bracelet. I was in Hawaii. And so, and I bought myself, you know, an Omega Speedmaster, a couple thousand dollar watch. And I thought this is what I was supposed to do. I thought, you know, I wanted to show the world that I had made it, all this sacrifice. You know, now I'm a doctor, I should be doing this. I mean, I basically, all the videos I make are a response to the traps I've fallen into myself because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. And I was doing all that stuff when I had a negative net worth of $100,000. You know, it's ridiculous when you think about it from a financial point of view. And so I think it's, it's trying to help be the person that I wish I had in my life when I was that age. And I feel really passionate about that. I feel very, very passionate about um, helping people climb the socioeconomic ladder. I mean, that, if you want to know what I'm doing on there, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to equip people with the mindset, with some basic information, and mostly the mindset, believing that this is possible for me, that I can change my family legacy, that I can come from being poor. I don't have to have um, been born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have to go to private school to get there. It's possible for me. And so my passion really comes from, I think, very personal and then also extending that to other young people that I've worked with over the years who are low income. It comes through, that's for sure. And I think it's just wonderful what you're doing and you're really providing people who would never, well, I shouldn't say never, who most likely would not have looked up your articles in a journal and read them and you're, you're allowing them to really benefit from it. So as we come to an end here, I've asked the same question, and I would have asked you this on your first time a couple of years ago on the podcast, but I'm going to tweak it a bit. So let's now imagine, important here, at Dr. Brad Klontz, is at the end of life. And if you recall, this is adopted from your course at Crichton. A little bit version of this question, but anyhow, you're, you're at the end of life, you're sitting on front porch, you're looking out at somewhere that brings you complete peace, ease, and contentment. And instead of writing a note to your children's children, you decided to make a final TikTok video to your children's children on what you learned about having a happy and healthy relationship with money. What would that video contain? Oh, you know, Sean, I spent a lot of time crafting these I'm videos. I'm sorry, yeah. It's so interesting. Because you know, I'm, I'm hoping my grandkids are in a different position. Let me just put it that way too. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that all that I'm doing for my kids and myself and my family are going to have my kids start out in a different point. And so I think, I actually think the message for them would be different than the one I would have written for myself. And I think it would be more focused on gratitude and on the fact, you know, that, that money plays a role in our lives, but it won't lead to happiness. You know, that's not the thing. And to focus on service and providing value to the world. But that's not a very compelling TikTok video. So I'm gonna have to work on the, on the hook <laughs> so that they'll watch the entire 30 yeah. seconds. But sort of the meaning of life. And I do see that coming through 
some of your videos is that it's not just about the money. More money does not always equate happiness. However, I do appreciate how you're hold it apparent that yes, it does help, but it's not everything. Definitely not everything. Well, Brad, this whole time, speaking of being a creator, we have been indirectly creating a song. So yeah. I'm going to invite Rudhub sitting in Hawaii to come on. Hello. Uh, yeah, so I've been listening. And now what we're going to do is we're going to see what comes out in this collaboration. And here we go. Uh, Dr. Brad gonna bend the story. Dr. Brad cracking the allegory. Doctor, tell us how to save and spend through the lightning bolts and the algorithms. A tribal influence continues to slay. Uh, the viral messages streaming all day. Oh, jeez, Luis. My bad. We're going to start over real quick because I forgot the other recording device. Now it's going all right. Bum, bum, bum. <gasps> Dr. Brad going to pin the story. Dr. Brad cracking the allegory. Doctor, tell us how to save and spend through the lightning bolts and the algorithms. Tribal influence continues to slay. Oh yeah, the viral messages streaming all day. Yeah, get rich quick, the bad advice, eh? Oh, but Dr. Brad can put you on to a better, oh, a better way, yeah, you know. Dr. Brad gonna bend the story. Dr. Brad could break the allegory, yeah. Doctor, tell us how to save and spend through the lightning bolts and the algorithm. Is it worth the risk? Are you willing to offend? Oh, if it conveys the value of delayed gratification. Oh, and the golden chalice and luxurious things. Oh, illusion flex about what all the wealth brings, brings, brings. Yeah, you know, Dr. Brad gonna bend the story. Oh, Dr. Brad break the allegory. And doctor, tell us how to save and spend through the lightning bolts and the algorithm. Oh, insecure and broke. Insecure and broke, the lavish life's a joke when you're insecure and broke, yeah. Insecure and broke, insecure and broke, the F-150 gets revoked when you're insecure and broke. Also, the world is what we make it for sure. Yeah, create a story about how the truth endures. Oh yeah, and all of us share all that we know. Oh yeah, keep on smashing like and subscribe and just watch the tribe grow. Smash the like and subscribe, yeah. Watch the tribe grow, yeah. Dr. Brad gonna do bend the story. Dr. Brad cracking the allegory, yeah. Doctor, tell us how to save and spend through the lightning bolts. And the algorithms. Every time, Root Hub. Incredible. <laughs> All right, so you have to upload that to TikTok so I can make a video and then we can have your song go viral. Uh, totally. Like that F-150 line, it, <laughs> yeah, it like came in cool. like right at the last second. I was like, oh, where's this bridge gonna? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's great. That's, that's Root fun, up. man. I don't know how you do it. It actually seems, uh, Brad, he calls himself a wizard. I used to say magic, but magic isn't real. He's a wizard. I don't know, even know if I'm that anymore. I think I'm just data. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> I, I think I'm just information. Because all my work was in the high schools on Kauai. 
So those are all my kids. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that, that's, um, that's who I'm on there talking to. Man, and it's such a trippy place because of like the disparity, you know, of, of like the people that come there or the old families that have shit loads of money. And then you're growing up watching all of that and watching all this flex and watching all this like kind of oppression of privilege is what this person turned me on to a couple of years ago. And yeah, that I'm really happy to, you know, hear your story, think, feel that reference because especially on outer islands, it seems to be even, even, even worse. I mean, there's so many different layers to that, but like, thank you for doing what you're doing because I, I work a lot now me and Sean and I were uh, met because I work in the wellness world and I do a bit of like what, not on a larger social media scale, but I would definitely take a lot of those charlatans to task, you know, for like trying to get people hooked on the medicine, you know, claiming that they're going to, you know, it's like the same thing. It's either money or like health or, or spirituality, all the, all the stuff that people take advantage of other people. So I just want to say thank you. And thanks for collaborating with us. Cause that song like didn't exist until a couple minutes ago. And I'll definitely share it with you. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I will make a video. I mean, there's got to be a way to upload it to TikTok. I see people doing it all the time. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rudhub. Thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate your time. Yep, thank you. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you're still listening, that would suggest that you did. If that's the case, you can support the show in two ways. You can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Those reviews do help. And subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. Until next week, have yourself a good one. I'm on a mountain without a top. My wealth is measured and now I spend my time. But now I write a freedom story with every breath inhaled. Money is not the boat of life. It's just the wind in the sea.